0: Let Me Tell You About My Jesus, brought to you by United Campus Ministry at Frostburg State University with Chaplain Dr. Z, a.k.a. Chaplain Cindy. That's me folks. This summer we're going to engage in a weekly conversation around the teachings of Jesus with his Sermon on the Mount. Do you have your Bibles open? Because we're getting started. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Z with a new episode of Let Me Tell You About My Jesus with Dr. Z. This is a show that brings you a weekly teaching from Jesus to help you grow as an authentic Jesus follower. Today we're talking about our sixth beatitude from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, It comes from Matthew 5, 8, and it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And joining us for this uh, spiritual discussion is Jot Matea, our UCM president, and Amanda Stanley, our UCM tech and communication leader. Ladies, say hello to the folks listening. It's good to be back, everybody.
1: Hello to the folks listening.
0: (laughs) Well, ladies, this week, Jesus' sixth beatitude is just as shocking as the others. Especially to the Pharisees who may have been listening. The Pharisees are the teachers of the law. And I have a story to kind of illustrate the difference between Jesus and the religious leaders or lawyers, because that's what they were. Anyone here ever share a bedroom with a sibling? Yes. Yeah. So this story may actually ring some truth with you guys. I had to share a bedroom with two younger siblings when I was in elementary school. And back then, um, I was a total neat freak, I'm not so much anymore, and my sisters were definitely not neat freaks. In fact, we had so many fights over our messy bedroom. My side of the room was always just magazine perfect, but there's not so much. My closet would have shoes lined up perfectly on a line with the heels on that line and clothes one inch apart. My sisters, on the other hand, was a complete wreck. In fact, their clothes, uh, their clean clothes, their dirty clothes were like all over the room along with every toy they ever had. And their side of the room looked like some kind of bomb went off. So, I remember one time, my mom said that we could go somewhere, but we couldn't go unless we cleaned up our room. Well, my room was always, side of the room was always kind of clean, so I was done in just a couple minutes. And I went out and waited on my sisters. They came out, surprisingly, within five minutes. And I was like, no, that's impossible. So my mom and I go in to inspect the uh, my sister's part of the room and in, to our surprise, it looked as good as my side. And so I was like, wow, how did they do that? Anyway, everything was just fine until I spotted this little sliver of an ear sticking out underneath my sister Vicky's bed. I went over to pick it up and when I did, I noticed that she had just shoved everything under the bed. And my sister Roxy had done the same thing. So that is the difference. That's just like a visual difference between Jesus teaching and the teachers of their day. The, uh, their lives, Jesus said, looked good on the outside where others could see But Jesus said, on the inside, their life was as messy as my sister's side of the room. And in this beatitude, Jesus is telling the people that the heart has to be completely clean inside and out. But I see what you mean. Um,
2: As Christians, it's always good to have a good and pure heart. um, And do the right things even when it's hard to do.
0: Well, we're going to start this Bible study with talking about what it means to be pure. And obviously, my sisters didn't technically clean their room, even though Amanda wants to give them some grace. Um, So let's come to the understanding of what it means to be pure before we can talk about what it means to be pure in heart. See, Jesus' ethics was different than the teachings of his day. The Pharisees would say that it doesn't matter, uh, you know, what what you do, how you do it, as long as you obey God's commands. And you didn't even need to want to obey God's command as long as you just did it. And also, um, you didn't have to do it well. You just had to do it good enough to say that you obeyed. But Jesus and the prophets of the Old Testament called them out and taught that even deeds done in strict obedience to God's commands are displeasing to God if they're not done with a pure heart. Have you ever been in love and heard the words, you know, I just want to be friends? Remember that kind of sick feeling, oh my gosh, I remember that. Um, You almost wish you'd heard, I don't ever want to see you again. but it's better to know where you stand than to be in a half-hearted relationship. Um, You know, if someone says, Jock, I love you, but I love Amanda better, but I'm gonna marry you. How far would that person go? They're right back out the door. (laughs) Exactly, and that's the way God is. He doesn't want any half-hearted relationship. He doesn't want you in love with someone else, and, uh, but you're willing to kind of go along with him. Okay, so Jesus wants a 100% disciple relationship. So, in this uh, section of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, there are two primary Greek words that are translated pure. And the word that Jesus uses here is "katharos." And it's used 27 times in the New Testament. It signifies that which had been cleansed from any contaminating substance. Like when you, uh, when you purify metal, like gold or silver. When you purify that, you have to put it through a refining. You have to let it melt and boil, and, and then you scrape all the contaminants off, and at the bottom you have this pure silver or this pure gold it's also used in the relationship to when Jesus or any of the disciples um, cast out demons or exercised uh, unclean spirits that person was made clean or pure using this word here so the idea of pure denotes that there's a spiritual inward kind of condition that one has been freed of guilt or any kind of contaminated um, aspect. So, like in 1 Timothy 1.3, Paul says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. Okay, so inwardly, um, he was free of any kind of guilt or sin um, that he knew of, and his conscience was clean, in other words.
1: Does does having a pure conscience, I mean, I guess that would make sense, but does that go in line with being pure in heart?
0: No, so we do have um, evil in our hearts, <laughs> so we're going to talk about hearts next, but Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things. So you can have, in that case, you can have a clean conscience because your heart's evil. <laughs> because your heart is not pure. Uh, so that really does bring us back to what does it mean uh, what does it mean to have uh, a clean heart? And uh, the word "heart see, we're combining two concepts. Pure is an adjective of the heart, okay? Mm. So, <coughs> pure is describing something that is clean. Uh, at least this word means to have been made clean. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, so, now we need to really think about what does the Bible mean by heart? Now, in our day, in our culture, when people say it's a matter of heart, well, what usually comes to mind when we say that? It's a matter of heart. What kind of heart are we talking about?
1: An organ that pumps blood. <laughs>
0: that's what I think
1: of. <laughs> that's
0: what... Amanda's always the literalist. <laughs> Not all the time. <laughs> no, she's really a thoughtful person. <laughs> I'd say um, almost
2: like that gut feeling of like wanting to do something that you're really passionate. Kind of like that's where like the literal senses kind of like mm-hmm. leave the chat and it's all like
0: almost impulses come into play. Okay, so Mm -hmm. impulses, passions. Mm -hmm. Okay. um, Normally we think about emotions. Something Mm -hmm. that's driving us uh, is our emotions. In fact, in personality theory, your emotions is what energizes you. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's your energy. But in the Bible, um, we don't... The biblical understanding of heart wasn't this division of uh, functions. The heart was the integrative center of the personality. The heart is what took the emotional energy, took our uh, passions, you know, our deep-seated beliefs, our desires, it took our uh, body life. Uh, body um, senses It took our social context and it integrated all that together into a unique person that made decisions so in the Bible the heart was more a center of the will uh, what we choose to do the decision-making um, idea or symbolic the heart was that so Recall what we said about the idea of pure uh, describing uh, metal being purified through refining. A pure heart is a heart that isn't mixed with anything, any contaminants. And so the human heart can be very mixed. We can have mixed desires, we can have mixed motivations, Um, we can be pulled in different directions Um, by either social uh, relationships or um, deep-seated beliefs. We can be pulled in these different kinds of ways. And so a pure heart is one who has been refined, who who has been purified, who has been focused, in other words, and isn't so divided. That's kind of what it means. It's an undivided heart. So, how is our heart made impure? What are some of the ways in which we could say that our heart is impure or has all this mixed um, pulls in it? Whenever you choose to do something, but you're
2: hoping to get something from it. Oh. Yeah, so you're not just giving this person a car ride to work but you also expect them later down to repay you the favor
0: yeah that reminds me of a friends uh episode where Phoebe was wanting to do good things and Joey was telling her that uh she was selfish in wanting to do those things and so every single thing that she mentioned she got some reward from it like it makes me feel good oh well that's selfish Mm -hmm. you know so it was like Joey was like this little devil saying everything good you want to do you do you're doing for ulterior motives
1: yeah I was oh go ahead
2: I was just gonna say like aside from like the the self-happiness like for me I enjoy volunteering with children and and animals because it brings me a lot of serotonin Um, so would that be an alternative all- for me going out and volunteering with like children and, and animals? Well. Because I'm getting like good vibes and it's making me happy. Yeah. Would that fit in there?
0: Well, it, according to Joey, it would. it would. Okay. okay, that would be an example of what he was telling Phoebe. Mm-hmm. But Joey didn't realize that um, he didn't have a spiritual dimension uh, in that show because we can be doing it and receive something from, some joy from it but if we're doing it because this is what God would want us to do then that would be considered a pure heart does that make sense? yeah okay yeah. anything else that would kind of how our hearts can be made impure.
1: I guess being prideful is one thing. Um, I've seen a lot of people who just... I mean, it's one thing to have confidence, and that's fine. But when you have this idea of yourself that you are the best person on earth and everyone is beneath you... um, I think you might need to go back to the drawing board and really like really take a good look at yourself in the mirror mm-hmm. because yes you are a person and you deserve all the respect that any human could have but so does everyone else around you so is every everyone else is a person too you are one person just like everyone else mm-hmm. and um, I think one thing that um, that goes along with that is also hypocrisy. So if you think that you're above everybody, you think that you can get away with stuff that everybody else has to pay for, or you do stuff that nobody else can do for some reason because you're just so high above everyone else when you do the same things that they do. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. It so just
2: reminded me like since we're talking about also TV shows um, from Charmed. I don't know if you guys watched Charmed. That yeah. One episode with like their seven deadly sins, and they got hit. Crew um, got hit with pride, mm. and just the way that you're explaining it, like she never thought that she even got hit.
1: Mm. Very
2: boastful, like I can do this. Yeah, and but putting other people to safety, but putting herself in danger.
1: Mm, yes, they do that's, stuff like that. Yeah, that's
2: why I was like, that's why it completely reminded me of her. Mm-hmm. Because you never fully know that you're being prideful. You think, oh, I'm just looking out for other people. Yeah. Like, 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 hypocrisy Yeah, to really sink in yeah. into
1: your character, right? Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, one of the things that refines pride, because you're right, Amanda, there's nothing wrong with feeling confident uh, God wants you to feel confident, um, but um, one of the things that can um, purify you from pride and still have the confidence left is humility. Mm. You know, so you know realizing that um, you know that you're you know realizing that you have vulnerabilities too, realizing that you have failures too, or faults too. Uh, equalizes you with others you know like okay I have my uh, hang-ups they have their hang-ups you know ours is just different from each other you know and different things like that so yeah uh, humility is what purifies pride so yeah that was a great example uh, for our discussion treating another person as an object for your pleasure is um, is impure. It's sexually an impure or sex- it's against sexual ethics. Uh, so, um, you know, so we can, um, we can use other people for our own pleasure or for our own desires, and that would be considered an impure heart. But l- truly loving someone and wanting them to have the freedom To choose or to choose to choose to forgive you or not forgive you would be treating them with respect, and so uh, that's one of the ways in which we can have impure heart is if it's all about us, you know, if we're looking out for number one Mm -hmm. and not really uh, giving others the kind of respect that they deserve and the freedom that they deserve, unforgivingness,
2: whatever. It can be very tough if somebody or you feel as though somebody has wronged you, for you to to forgive them. As you talked about, as we talked about earlier, for pride and humility, it also comes in being able to for forgive them for yourself, and because then you won't have as much hatred and anger in your heart, so that you can,
0: you know, maybe you know, reach pure heart. I think, I think at the root of all of the things that can cause our heart to be impure is uh, a lack of love of either God or our, our others, um, or even loving ourselves, I mean, because the Scripture does say to love others as we love ourselves, and there are some of us who really don't love ourselves well, you know, and therefore we don't really love others well, and therefore we don't really love God well either. <laughs> So uh, I think a lot of the sexual things that we call sexual sins or, or just sins in general that causes our heart to be contaminated or mixed with uh, ulterior motives is really boils down to just a lack of love. Mm-hmm. Love of God, love of others, and love of self. Well, all the actions uh, that Jesus condemned I think boils down to two main things, not loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and not loving one's neighbor as ourselves. Um, so sin in Jesus' way of thinking was a conflict of loyalties and a lack of love. And he, he pretty much said so in Luke 16, 13. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Of course, in that section, he was talking about the love of money and and greed. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I think the implications is way beyond just that one thing, greed. I think it goes to the heart of all the things that tears us away from or moves our heart away from God.
1: People say that money is the root of all evil, but that's not what it is. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. I I quite see that. I see that um, Bible verse misquoted quite often. (laughs) Right. Yeah, but um, um, if I heard you... Oh, if I heard you correctly, then um, I think that that could also apply to other things, rather than just the love of money. It could be the love of sex, the love of, um, mm, I don't. Uh-huh. Oh well, yeah, love of alcohol, drugs, um, love of power, love of status. So yeah. Yeah just anything that you try to put above your relationship with God could be, yeah, could go in the blank, fill in the blank, the love of blank.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. If you think about all those things that you mentioned, you know, like, especially, uh, let's say the love of alcohol or drugs. I have seen so many people whose children were addicted to one of those, And they do things like steal from their parents, they, you know, all the way down to, you know, you see on TV where they've murdered their parents, you know. And so obviously the love of family takes second seat or backs away, not even in the seat, in the trunk, you know. So yeah, it it is definitely putting that kind of love, any kind of love of something Um, above anything else, especially the love of God and uh, the love of others. Have you ever wondered why you're here on this earth? Yes. (laughs) Have you ever wondered whether your life has meaning? Yes. (laughs) Well, this questions or these two questions, really go straight to the implications of this Beatitude for the Week, too. Uh, remember the biblical heart is the main processor uh, like a computer it's the main processor of the human being and so for example Proverbs 23 says you know as one thinks in their heart, so they are Mm. so um, this is this idea that you know the heart is this main processor and so it's the place where we make all of our moral decisions it's the place where we get our our energy to act and to make decisions, and so if we're if we have a lot of conflicting goals or desires, we would also have a mixed heart condition, you know, and it would really be difficult to achieve anything. Mm-hmm. So if you have like a sense of your purpose, you know, thinking like okay my purpose here on earth is x okay but if your heart is impure you could be pulled in a lot of different directions and you'll never really live on your purpose Hmm. does that make sense yeah so one of my favorite philosophical and theological um persons is soren Kierkegaard, and he defined purity of heart as willing one thing so For example, if my purpose in life, if I see my purpose in life as introducing Jesus one heart at a time, if that's my purpose, then that goes into making all my decisions. All my decisions should be in service of that goal or that purpose. So, when our desires contradict the ends that we feel or our purpose, then we don't live in harmony with ourselves. We have this inner strife, we feel conflict, we might feel confused. Uh, Kierkegaard says that there's no way to have that kind of peaceful life if we're not seeking God's will, if we're not following God's unique purpose and goal for our life. And so, God created each one of us with a purpose, and our heart is going to give us the energy and, and the understanding of how to make decisions with that purpose in mind. And that plays a part in God's vision for a perfect kingdom. So, if God created you and wanted you to, let's say, be a really great mom to someone, you know, like... He chose Mary for example Jesus mom he chose Mary because he knew Mary's heart he knew that Mary would be the perfect mother for his son and so uh, she lived her true self by raising Jesus and sharing her own uh, spiritual life her own spiritual understanding with Jesus and so Uh, God created each one of us with a purpose. We all have a part to play in God's kingdom and God's vision for the world. And we can never truly be ourselves. We can never be truly satisfied, Kierkegaard God says, unless we're living with that purpose. And he said, if we don't live on purpose, on our purpose, we have what he calls the tyranny of the divided self.
1: Is it possible to have more than one purpose?
2: I would hope so. <laughs> I just feel like there's so much happening in life and it's hard to just have one thing yeah. going for you.
0: Well, the of God says that our primary purpose is to live God's will. Mm. Okay, so we can do that in multiple dimensions of okay. activities okay you know like if my purpose is to work in a factory then or if that's what one of the dimensions of my life is is to work in a factory it's important that i work in that factory with a with an idea that i am playing a part in god's kingdom
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: that will determine how I work in that factory. That will determine how I have relationships in and outside of the factory. Uh, So our overarching purpose, Kierkegaard would say, would be to live out God's will. And to let that be the focus of all the things that we do. And
2: I know that you, Chaplain, have carried many different hats. I did,
0: so. That's so true, and I'm glad you mentioned that. I have, in fact, um, worked a lot of different jobs. But the way I understood that was they were all means of accomplishing what God had called me to do. And because we're all, in fact, on this discipleship journey with mixed or impure Uh, hearts from one time or another, we are mixed with sin habits, we're mixed with guilt, we're torn with uncertainty about our purpose. Um, All of this is about, you know, a journey. God doesn't reveal uh, everything all at once because we couldn't take it, you know. We just throw up our hands and say, oh, pure heart. Nobody can do it, (laughs) you know, if it was all a matter of just doing it all at once so in what ways do you seek after being or becoming pure in heart for me i try not to
2: lie about those things because it's one of my pet peeves um for people who who lie they could like that cap on the table could be green and they'll go out of their way to be like no it's more of a shade of yellow or something but we can all sit here and agree that it's green so not having to you know like little white lies unless it's absolutely necessary. Um, Yeah, and then trying to bring positive light when I meet other people, like so that the first introduction that they see from me is more of a hello, welcome atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's it, honestly. Mm -hmm. That's where I like to start.
0: Yeah, I like, I really like that about you, Jock. I mean, one of the things that I got from you right away when I met you was you were a person that really wanted to value other people and you wanted them to know that they were um, they were respected and I (laughs) thank you chocolate (laughs) (laughs) and that was one of the things that really drew me to you uh, as far as you know knowing you right away I think when someone meets you they feel respected
1: um I think I try to be considerate of other people I think I'm I think I kind of go out of my way to be considerate of other people like uh yesterday I was driving and you know my car is being stupid Mm -hmm. (laughs) so there was a truck behind me and uh, the trucks around here like to drive a little bit faster so um he was gaining up on me and I just was like well I guess I'll just um drive on the shoulder for a few minutes and let him pass <laughs> it's like I don't want to inconvenience him It's like he's got somewhere to go he left his roast in the oven
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes yes and that's something that I noticed about you right away I noticed <laughs> when I first met you on that welcome day that you seem like a very kind person
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, a very creative person too I was impressed with that about you as well but, uh, yeah, so well, for me, one of the ways in which I try on this journey of discipleship is that I realized early in my discipleship that my heart was not pure, that I had a lot of mixed motives. I had, um, I had a lot of ways in which I deceived myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so that, that uh, verse in Jeremiah that the heart is wicked above all things. I I recognized myself in that verse uh, early on. And I, you know, like when I became a Christian, I said, look, God, I don't want to be this half-hearted disciple or I don't want to be a Sunday Christian. If I'm not a Christian all the way, I don't want to do this. And um, so I knew that there was no way I could do it like I was. God had to do something in me. And so, a long time ago, actually, I think if I'm right, if I'm counting right, um, 38 years ago, I started what I call my annual spiritual examine retreat. Okay. So, I go off by myself and I spend the first day just, I just start the retreat by saying, god search me know me and show me what you see in there that you want to get rid of you know like what kind of refining do i need to do this year you know what do i need to work on this year you know to make my heart more pure in heart and i just sit the whole day in complete silence and just listen and see what god brings to my mind and um at first when i first started that You know, I was kind of defensive, like, oh, I don't know if I want to really hear that. (laughs) But what I found out was that, like I said, God doesn't spring everything on you all at once that you need to change. You know, it's a journey. And so God was very kind with pointing out things that he wanted me to change and to work on. And so I do that you know and then a great question to start this process of renovating the heart or purifying the heart is to journal and think about this week what specific triggers or pressure places throughout your week can you count on to reveal the true contents of your heart and not in a way that condemns you or makes you feel like oh I'm such a I'm so awful Not in that kind of way, but in the kind of way where you're really saying to God, God, show me what I need to improve on, or show me what I need to do to get rid of this. So let me just ask the question for you. Uh, The listeners out there, maybe they can journal this idea, but what specific triggers or pressure places do you guys have that you know throughout the week might reveal some true content of your heart Sounds yeah. like I still need to identify some of my triggers. Yeah. <laughs> you do need to identify the triggers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is how we begin to see God at work in our lives and in our community, in our world. Um, you know, the more we line up our desires and our um, our motives with God's, then we get to see more and more of how God is working in the world. And in our United Campus Ministry uh, Bible studies, we always have a time of bragging on God. Because I want us to start noticing God's presence in the world. You know, like I said, God may be invisible to the human eye, but He's not invisible to our spiritual sight. And it's important that we start recognizing those times. So uh, let's start ending this with just sharing some experiences of where you've seen God at work in the world uh, or at work on our campus. I would like to
2: start by saying that there's this young man and an older woman who come to my work and seeing them always makes me smile and I couldn't even begin to tell you why because I've never really had like a deep conversation or like know why they're there but they just come and it makes me smile and then there's this little boy who who has a walker and I guess some injuries to his legs and he comes in with his family and the most respectful young man I've ever met and kind and like full of joy and laughter for for those around him and he just makes me smile every time I see him at work so no matter how like awful the day was to begin with before I came into work. I tend to leave that at the door so I can have a good day. And seeing them just makes me smile. I'm just like okay, so going to go into work today wasn't that bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Amanda?
1: Um, I can't think of I can't pinpoint one occasion, but I I guess I see God whenever I look at creation, like the world around me, Um, even just thinking about, you know, plate tectonics and um, things of that nature, Um, just the knowledge that somebody put us here, like there's quite a few, uh, quite a few, there's billions and millions of stars in the galaxy and we're currently the only one that we know of that has life on earth and i don't think that's coincidence to me Mm -hmm. that this i mean you know anyone who hears is free to disagree of course that's the world we live in Mm -hmm. but i mean what why (laughs) why else would we be here
0: yeah, um, yeah. so I want to brag on God because God is here on this campus and he's working in the lives of people like Jock and Amanda and all the other students that we come in contact with. Wow, we could have had a whole series on this one beatitude, I think. There's so much more we could have explored. And I guess that's why Kierkegaard wrote an entire book on this uh, particular beatitude. Um, But I hope we've given you uh, something to think about, something to journal about, or something just to meditate on about becoming an authentic, true follower of Jesus. Remember, it's a journey. God is shaping you. But we also have to participate in that shaping to become who God is calling us to be. Thank you and listeners, I thank you for listening all the way through this uh, particular conversation. We hope that we blessed you in some way. Let me ask you our listeners out there, which part of this week's Bible study did you really enjoy or learn something you didn't know before. As we said, we are very grateful to you our listeners for sticking with us from the start of the show till now. We also want to thank the folks at Anchor by Spotify for hosting and promoting our weekly shows. If you like this and would like to support United Campus Ministry by making a donation, you can do so on this site or we also have Cash App. Our link is sign UC Ministry. Please leave a review or contact us through our social media pages with your comments. You can find the links to these sites on this page. And last but not least, be sure to tune in next Wednesday for our upcoming episode as we continue this series on what will make us truly happy according to Jesus. We have another shocker of a statement next week, so hit subscribe so you don't miss it. And again, you've been listening to Let Me Tell You About My Jesus with Dr. Z. Praying you all have a great week and keep meditating on the verse for this week. Bye now.